going on, everybody? This is Justin coming to you live from, oh, check that, Seattle, Washington. Uh, this is the official Boys, Boys, Lots of Toys podcast. And as you have all been able to tell from the last week, this is a huge episode. Uh, we go through our usual sports headlines this week. Um, but we have a massive interview with Brandon Bailey, star pitcher for the Gonzaga Bulldogs, now with the Houston Astros. Uh, definitely tune into that interview. Uh, he has a ton of great insights into baseball, what it's like to come up through Gonzaga, and more. Then we go on to touch on the NBA bubble bracket challenge. We'll touch on that a little bit later, and we have some fun closing announcements. Zane's officially a rum guy. Jake's apparently a Giants fan, and uh, Zambi's drinking a Four loco tonight. But boys, how are we doing? Hey, Paige. Uh, this is Jake. I'm also back in the Seattle area after just traveling all summer. Um, and um, I'm very excited. I, uh, it's always great to see the, the six screens of, of our team active. So, Hello, hello. This is Zane Izagari, special guest Zane Izagari. Uh, Dito to what Jake just said, full, full cast today, all three interns in attendance. Uh, welcome Daniel and Serpy, first time on the show. Uh, intern Dan finally made it. A little round of applause for him. Uh, other than that, beautiful day, beautiful week, beautiful life. Dodgers, all is right in the world with the Dodgers. Winning his team in baseball again. Seven-game win streak. I love it, boys. I'm excited. Well, I'll take it from here since it is uh, my first one. Fired up to be here. Um, I did nothing but watch basketball all day. I think it was outside for a collective three minutes. It is uh, just now under 100 degrees here in Porter Ranch, California. So it's a hot one, boys, but uh, we're staying cool. We're watching some hoops and couldn't be happier for this episode. We got a big one coming, so let's go. What's up, squad? This is Cooper coming at you live from Portland, coming off a little R&R in the great state of Minnesota. So excited to be back and get cooking again, so let's go. What up, what up? It's Zambi. Uh, they are correct. I did get a uh, a peach for a loco. <laughs> I was kind of worried about uh, cashier. I also got a Red Bull at the same time, and he gave me this look. So let's hop in into the show and <laughs> get it going. All righty. Yep. That's that's the boys' crew right there. You love to hear that. Um, I guess we can just dive right into it. Uh, Dan, you want to want to give us that first headline? Let's go, baby. Uh, obviously bubble is kind of dominating things right now like we said we'll get into that a little later but the big story that's got some ties near and dear to our j page's heart your boy fernando tatis jr has broken the baseball world he has and this as you said this is near and dear to my heart um and i did a lot of reflecting on the whole thing because i was i was mad i was mad at the old baseball heads. I was mad at our manager. I was mad at the Rangers. And the way everything played out today, I'm a little cool. Cooler heads will prevail. Um, but initially, you know, I was thinking something along the lines of, what the fuck? Fuck these unwritten rules. If you really want to take the bat out of the most exciting player in baseball's hands right now, go ahead and do that. Uh, it's not going to help with your viewership. It's not going to help develop, you know, the next generation of baseball fans. Um, and that's kind of that. But, you know, our manager came out and he said, you know, that was a mistake to 
you know, give Tatis the the red light there. And I mean, he still swung, which is why he's a legend. But I don't know. The boys look unified today. They played well, and um, all we can do is move on. So, yeah, it was, it was a lot. Someone has to explain to me this three zero unspoken rule. Because oh yes, I'm always learning about baseball. So why can't you swing when like the the count is three zero? All right. Well, I, I wasn't expecting to go there now, but I guess this will be our first uh, uh, explain it baseball explain it to Jake uh, segment part one. Well, I feel like episode. this is a good one to start off with, like yeah. self esteem wise. If it's an unspoken rule, like literally, I shouldn't have heard of it because it's so. Never- this okay. this goes into a larger baseball theme of just the unwritten rules, and so basically the idea behind. So what the Rangers were upset here is they were down big. I think it was the eighth or ninth inning. They're basically a wounded dog at this point in the game. The bases were loaded, and Fernando Tatis Jr. had a 3-0 count. Now, typically in baseball, when the count is 3-0, you take. Like, it's, it's kind of rare. Unless you're a beast, which Tatis is, you're taking. So I think he's swinging regardless of the situation. But in the eyes of the Rangers – they felt like a wounded dog, basically. And instead of, you know, taking that, which I think would have been a ball. I don't think it was a strike anyways. Uh, <laughs> it, it, was, it was borderline. But that, that's basically the idea, is that the Rangers were dead or dying. And Tatis, they felt like he kind of pimped them, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. John boy did a great, great video on this actually. And then like, there's like an, I didn't know there's an actual like number. They say uh, after the sixth inning, if you're up six runs, you're supposed to take three Oh, which it doesn't make sense because the team you're playing is going to do their best to try and come back into the game. And the Rangers manager said, you know, yeah, we're going to still have our good at bats. We're going to work the counts. We're going to try and come back. It's like, well, why should we stop then? And right now our bullpen is absolute crap as the Dodgers fans saw. And so it's like, well, we got to tack on as many runs as we, uh, as we can. So it's just, it's tired throwing out the next guy. It's tired. Um, but yeah, that's, that's an unwritten rule. I didn't know there was an actual, like, you know, run total. It's like, okay, what about five runs? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> my, it's the most my thing to have a very specific unwritten rule. You yeah. Know? I, I'm, I actually find myself to be like a kind of an old baseball head. I'm kind of a fan of a lot of the unwritten rules. I think they kind of protect the game and they protect that tradition. This is one that I've actually never heard of in my life. And I don't mm-hmm. actually really understand it for, for everything we've just explained here. I mean, teams come back. It wasn't like this. I mean, it was game over, but you never know. Um, exactly. Uh, Tatis probably has a lot of incentives in his contracts. I'm guessing home runs. If he's the home run leader in all of baseball, I'm guessing he probably gets paid more. Um, he's a young guy. He's in a home run race with Mike Trout right now. And so you're, t- I mean, the one thing I kind of get is if the manager actually gave him the red light sign and Tatis acknowledged that he got that red light sign and directly disobeyed a coach's order. That goes on to it. That, that's a whole different story to me. But then even still, I don't understand the disrespect to the other team. I would just be pissed if I were the manager. And so that's kind of my two cents on the whole thing. I think it's a stupid unwritten rule. 
Um, but I also like Tatis is like going, he's battling Mike Trout right now. He has the most tied for the most home runs in MLB. It's a crazy, it's so dumb that this is even like getting the baseball world fired up. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. I'm glad you yeah. brought up the manager because Paige, are you worried now that, you know, you know, this is, this is incident, you know, while not very big, just a little seed and it'll just grow into a big old rift between Tatis and the organization eventually leading to him getting bought by the Dodgers or the Yankees. Oh, yeah. I'll end that right now. That's not happening unless they want to leave San Diego. Um, Pretty much everyone's on the same page that he's going to be a Padre until he's, you know, at least in his 30s. Um, One thing that, you know, I was kind of on the same page with Zane in regards to missing, you know, the sign from the coach. Um, But if you look at the film – he didn't look at the coach and it was probably for a good reason. Cause he was like, he's definitely going to give me the take here. I'm not taking right now. Fuck that. Which is good. Cause what's, you know, uh, Kravis from Barstool has been making good points. Like what's more exciting him, him following the unwritten rule or him hitting the go ahead home run in the home run race as a grand slam, uh, versus Mike Trout. I think we all know the answer there. Um, but no, he, he will be a Padre for a long time. I'm not really concerned about that because, I mean, I, I will stop being a Padre fan if, he, if he's let go, if he's traded. And I know all, all my Padre fans' friends are on the same page there. Well, maybe you guys could just move right, to right over. L.A. Maybe that would fix it. Yeah, but all your other teams <laughs> come to L.A. I mean, L.A. could have three. Okay. You guys are three years too late on those shows. Those don't hurt anymore. <laughs> Zamblin, Zamblin, you had something to say. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, you guys just kind of touched on it. I was going to say, J. Page, this is not the first time a team has wanted to leave San Diego. So, <laughs> fair point. I don't know, but I will say the Padres—they are my NL team. So, go Pods. Yes, as the as the Mariners are my AL team. Woo-hoo. Two peas in a pod. Wow, those are two very sad peas in sad, a sad, sad baseball season in a really bad pot. Hey, hey, Padres look good. Padres look good. That's like the Kings and the Knicks making a pod together. Just like Oh my god. <laughs> Kings and the Knicks. All right, let's move on. Let's let's move on to the next headline. This is getting me sad. All right, just a real quick wrap to that one. We always gotta gotta spin it forward, make sure it's the most current. Tonight. Tatis stole third when the Padres were already up six to nothing, just to kind of rub a little more salt in the wound. Probably like every other player in the bigs would have been out, but he had the most, uh, like the most athletic, ridiculous slide to avoid the tag. He just kind of flexed on everybody and is like, I know everyone's pissed, but I'm still the man right now. And I'm going to keep living my life. So props to Tatis, even though he is from that team down South. Uh, Moving on. We have some college basketball news, boys. Obviously, a lot of stuff going on in the college football world. You guys can decide if you want to, you know, maybe touch on that. But we care about basketball here, and we have a potential top two, top three matchup in the works now. Zags Baylor, the Rembackamus Bowl, as I've seen it on Twitter. What do we think? I I got, like, a, a little torque, you know, as soon as I read that <laughs> article. I was on a plane, and I landed, and then I had, like, nine texts and like five message notifications. I'm like, holy shit, we're actually playing Baylor. 
and I love it. Like, let's just sign up all the other Texas schools too. What we already have Tech on the schedule. Do we have Texas this year? Yeah, Texas. We have uh, everyone besides A and M. Let's take TCU. Let's throw them in the mix. Let's just be the king of <laughs> like. Why not get a big old belt buckle, the big old bulldog on it? Coop, I don't know if I like it. Sure, if if that's appropriate, <laughs> you know. I love it. Yeah, I mean, I like we, that. We've already sort of taken over the Pac-12. What's the Big 12 after that? I mean, you tell me. My my take. Uh, so going back to the college football thing, super super quickly. Um, I will say for the past month, maybe month and a half, I've been on the show saying that they should just cancel college football. I want them to college uh, to cancel college football to ensure we get basketball season. I didn't know it would hurt this much, boys. This was <laughs> me trying to convince myself that I was okay without college football, and I'm not afraid to come out and say I was wrong. It hurts. Um, it sucks. That's I mean that's pretty much my take on it. Is it sucks no matter no matter which way you slice it. Um, it looks like we might still have some college football. I I might have to be an SEC guy now. Uh, I oh. think I might. I'm a Kojo guy. I'm also a Mike Leach guy. I, I hear Lane Kiffin's still down there. So that that's to come. Uh, Basketball-wise, great news for the Zags to get to get Baylor. I think that's freaking awesome. I was heartbroken when the Pac-12 came out and uh, announced they weren't playing basketball until 2021. Everyone knows I would have loved to see the Trojans and the Zags go at it. Um, would have been rooting for the Zags. I know a lot of people out there still think – I'd be cheering for USC. That is not the case. I went to Gonzaga. I'm a Gonzaga fan. But if USC won, I'd be happy for them. I wouldn't be as mad. But I'm pumped. I think this makes me feel like basketball is going to happen, especially with Coach K and his interview. is like 20-minute long interview today. I really think we're going to have a basketball season, boys. Go Zags. Absolutely. Uh, huge news for the Zags. I love to see them being proactive and scheduling this game when they're losing some of their, uh, I guess you could say, larger name games. Um, yeah, let's, let's keep tacking them on. Why don't we, why don't we ring up uh, Coach Cal, maybe a little Coach K action, see what their schedule's looking like. Um, but in all seriousness, yeah, I'm really excited for the Rem back in this bowl. Uh, and if Rem, you're listening, care to, care to discuss? We'll be we'll be in touch. Of getting like because do you think like he will like help them get in contact? Like what what what's the Baylor's Scott Drew? Is that the Baylor's coach? Yeah. And and Mark, mm-hmm. I'm sure you know Ram has both their numbers. Do you think he's just like, Yeah guys, I just got this group chat going and um, you know, <laughs> wanna play some basketball? Yeah, I I'd like to think that's exactly how it happened. Quick, quick question, quick question. Does Baylor have a little bit of an, an advantage here with Rem on their side? I mean, he, he's been in marketing system we for how long? Him. That's a very, very talented team. We played him two mm-hmm. years ago with, when Rem was on the, the, the coaching staff, and Brandon Clark exposed them. Well, fair. That's fair. One thing on the whole uh, Rem having an advantage, the reason Rem is at Baylor is because of – one of our former assistant coaches, I think John Jakus. So he coached under few, went to Baylor, and then was part of the bridge to get Rem there. So not only does Rem have the scouting report, 
one of the other assistants does. And yes, they played us a couple years ago. That was the Brandon Clark, like, oh boy, he's going to the NBA game because I think he had like <laughs> 38, something ridiculous. Uh, so yeah, that, that matchup will be a ton of fun. And uh, that, that, that Baylor team that we played then, like, I think they were, had a lot of their guys hurt. Like they were nothing compared to, you know, what we saw from Baylor last year and what we probably will see from Baylor when there is a season this year. Yeah. Quick follow-up for the boys. Um, we, I guess we could just go around the horn here. Everyone can say a different team maybe. If you had to pick one more team for Gonzaga to schedule a game with, any, anyone at all, except for Pac-12, obviously, and I think Big Ten too, right? Are they, they're out until 2021? Big Ten still, their basketball season still. Okay, so count the Big Ten. If you could pick one team, who would it be? My, I'll go first. Duke. I want. Play, I want to play Duke. Low hanging fruit. Yep. I'll get it out of the way. I. I'll go next. I'd love to play uh, Villanova. I know they're returning a lot of starters. And I like that. I like that matchup. Jesuit matchup, right? Mm-hmm. I like it. Yeah. For me, I would say Kentucky, just because I want to say Kansas, but we're playing Kansas in a two game series, like what starting the year after this one so Mm -hmm. i just want us to we'll like slap around baylor then we'll like we've already beaten duke and unc in the last two years then we'll beat kentucky this year (laughs) kansas twice and then we'll rule the world like this they don't (laughs) argument is really falling apart i'll go off the board here Give me a little Luca Garza in Iowa. I want to see. I want to see Ballo Timmy against the freaking Anthony Davis-like unibrow for uh, for Iowa. Go ahead, have the unibrow. They're just so thick. They're <laughs> like both independent. <laughs> I mean, I'll say it. I want to see Florida. I want that Nebhart revenge game. Ooh, and just have him go off. Florida beat us in the in the PK eighty, right? In that overtime game. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Nemhart wouldn't be able to play this year, would he? Uh, no, but still, just yeah. just send him a match. revenge game. Don't even need him. Don't even need him to beat you. We'll take your player and we'll beat you. And we'll steal your girlfriend too. I think mine definitely has to be Butler. Simply because of the whole uh, brother sister rivalry I have going on there, you know, sister still likes to hang that over my head time to time. The last time we played them, of course, was I believe the when was that twenty twelve. It was when we were ranked one, right? And then, yeah, it was like it was our first time like being ranked number one, and yeah, we lost that game um, on the Stockton turnover. So, ugh. what a god! I'd like to have that one back. Do you remember those beauties that they wore that game? Five eleven. Um, no. The black unis? Dude, they were like these alternate that we've worn one time. They are sick as hell. I don't know if they're black or like a dark blue. Don't they say like go Zags or something? They might say go Zags in the back. Like, no. I mean, all of our jerseys had like go Zags in the number font early on. But uh, they were sick as hell. I, I recommend everyone. What, what year is it? This was 2012, 2013. Look up okay. those jerseys. Just don't look up that game because it does not have a good outcome. <laughs> Spoiler alert. For yep. huh. I'm trying to find it. I can't find the jerseys, but That's we'll look into that later. Of, of possible teams, though. I like it. 
Should yeah. we go to headline three yeah. to, uh, to get this thing wrapped? Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. Well, it's kind of like kind of a headline, just kind of a, a statement. If you come on this podcast, you will have success because our number one professional athlete guest, Brandon Bailey, after talking to us, went out and he got a career high three strikeouts. So Bailey, baby, repping the Zags. If you come on the pod, you will succeed. What do we think, boys? Yeah, I mean, no, no surprise. I think we all expected this. Uh, coming into the pod, he had thrown one strikeout in four appearances. Coming out of the pod, I mean, he tripled that number in just one, one game. So <laughs> success breeds success. If he comes on the pod again, it'll be probably nine strikeouts. Yeah. And then by the time he does it one more time, 27 strikeouts. Like, you know, Perfect game, baby. Perfect game. game, Jake. You might learn about that, too. What? <laughs> Nothing. Oh, perfect game. <laughs> hey, hey, I don't need the sass from the interns. Baseball okay? terms. Baseball you're, terms. You're a video guy and news guy. God. I'm just <laughs> Jake's getting hazed. You love to see it. Classic. Um, yep. No surprise here. I believe everyone on this podcast who's come on before as a guest has had success. Um, and yeah, so if you want to really just up your career, you know, maybe pad the stats a little, whatever it is, come on the pod. Quick, quick honorable mention to same topic with Gonzaga baseball. We are a baseball school now, apparently. Marco Gonzalez faced the vaunted Dodgers lineup today. I checked last I saw you had nine strikeouts against that lineup. So good on you, Marco. Zag baseball, great day to be a Zag. And that concludes the headlines. Well done, Dan. Well done. Breaking, breaking news right now, though. I'm watching the, the Lakers-Blazers game. It looks like Dwight Howard dunked it so hard that the backboard and rim of the, the, the basket is, like, <laughs> tilted. So now they've paused the game. <laughs> Yeah, this is a problem. I'm, I'm seeing this now too, Jake. This reminds me of Zane's like ridiculous Final Four uh, scenario where like the whole arena would like collapse or something. And Oh, this was, this was my, uh, yeah, this is when BYU and UCLA would play each other. And everyone just died on the court because everyone Yes, 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 yes. And then, and then USC and Gonzaga would face off in the championship. Okay. Nice. <laughs> yeah, Dwight Howard was I don't know if it's quite that level of catastrophe, but it's just, I thought it was a fun fact. <laughs> well, it's out there now. Um, alrighty. Well, I guess that'll lead us to our first uh, Zambi ad, Zambi's Corner. What do we got, Zambi? <laughs> well, good evening, you guys. I'm going to put this out here first. This is not a political ad or anything like that. But, you know, Canada, our neighbors up north, we haven't always been chill with them, but for the most part, it seems like we have been. And so, I will say, back in 1859, we had a confrontation with them. There was a pig on the San Juan Islands that wandered into a potato field. And like any good red-blooded American would, he shot that pig. And it died. <laughs> so... This began the pig war, which ended up lasting six months. There was no fire exchanged. And then Washington, D.C. heard about it. 
and said, hey, we're not going to go to war about a pig. And then that ended it. Thank you. Wait, wait, wait. Who shot the <laughs> U.S.? <laughs> we can't end it. We can't end it there. I have so many questions. Uh, yeah, this guy for the U.S. shot it. He was like was a low-ranking lieutenant. Was it a Canadian pig? Um, I think so, yeah. <laughs> San Juan Islands, where? It's like, it's basically Canada, but it's technically U.S. soil. Okay. But how did the Canadian pig get to the islands? I mean, you're asking way too many questions. Why did the chicken cross the road, Jake? <laughs> That's fair. Why did the pig cross the ocean? Well, I would say uh, <laughs> Washington does have the largest uh, intercontinental ferry fleet in the world. So, we'll find that. Good to know. Good to know. And, uh, that being said, we are. Let's transition to our interview with uh, Mr. Bailey. All right, ladies and gentlemen. At this time, we'd like to welcome a very special guest, former starting pitcher for your Gonzaga Bulldogs baseball team from 2014 to 2016. Also, 2016 first team All WCC team, second team All West Region former Gonzaga intramural referee, former bouncer at Jack and Dan's Bar and Grill, six-round pick in the 2016 MLB draft, and current pitcher for the Houston Astros, Brandon Bailey. Brandon, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks guys for having me. I really appreciate it. Yes, thank you for joining us. And, and before we get started here, I got to give you a warning. Uh, the three hosts of this show, myself, uh, Justin, and Jacob, we have no media experience whatsoever so when we we're planning this interview we wanted to give the first question to the actual journalist on this show so i'm going to turn it over to intern dan to give you a hard-hitting journalist question got it brandon bailey here we go baby it's some big j journalism hey, you are a pitcher, you're a pitcher for the houston astros i think there are so many questions that people probably have the big one we've got to get out of the way right away what was it like to finally live that dream, get the call out of the bullpen, and make your major league debut? Oh, man, it's, it's kind of – it felt like a movie, to be honest. It's one of those things that you dream about your entire career growing up as a little kid playing little league in the backyard and all those types of moments and then kind of progressing through high school and college and thinking about, okay, maybe professional baseball can be a reality for me and Maybe this is something I can actually maybe achieve. Uh, working your way up the minors, just can't even imagine pitching in like a big league stadium, considering like minor league parks only host like five, six, five, six thousand people. And then finally to get the call uh, that you're going to be a big league pitcher and sitting in the bullpen and phone rings and they tell you it's your turn to start getting loose and prepare to go in the game. It, it just, it's the only way I can describe it. It's like that movie, The Rookie. Um, starring Dennis Quaid, where he, he kind of uh, is acting on uh, the guy of Jimmy Morris. And it's uh, kind of a comeback story of this guy that finally gets an opportunity to pitch in the big leagues. And it's his lifelong dream. And just the whole world seems like it's spinning like 10 times fast. And you get out there, your heart's pounding. And you hand, hand you the ball and you start warming up. And you can't even feel your body. It feels like you're floating. And, and then finally, you just throw that first pitch and, you know, you – 
kind of get back into that competition mode and it's uh it's just surreal it's it's something I'll never forget and it's a, a moment and a feeling that I'll cherish forever truly what was that uh conversation like just like with you know the uh, bullpen coach your your pitching coach like that that second that happened like what exactly did he say to you you know, I was just in there in the bullpen um, right at the time. The Mariners were uh, up seven to five going, I think, into the ninth inning. And, you know, phone rings and they're like, Bailey's got the ninth and he points at me and tossed me a ball. And uh, he was like, you got the ninth. And we've got, uh, I forget who was leading off. I think it was Evan White leading off, right-hander. Uh, and you've got uh, Marmalejos, lefty. And then um, Lopes or Lopez, I think. I can't remember his name. And righty so he kind of gave me the scouting breakdown of each just um you know just some quick notes to kind of take into consideration as I was getting loose and you know it was nice because um I had a full half inning to prepare and it wasn't like a situation where I had to rush to get loose you know I had some time to kind of get my feelings and my emotions and my nerves kind of all in order and kind of get get ready for that opportunity to pitch and um so yeah it was it was a pretty cool moment to say the least yeah, that's awesome. And I think, I think what a lot of people, uh, it's not your major league debut, but in spring training, you have a blog and you write about sort of that experience getting called out there in, in, a, in a blog entitled Fastball, Curveball, Slider, Changeup. And this is, I think everyone on the podcast is familiar with that. And we think it's a hilarious story. Uh, but would you mind giving our viewers and our listeners a, a glimpse into that? Yeah, so um, I had recently just been traded from the Oakland A's to the Houston Astros in the winter of 2017, right after the Astros won the World Series. And um, it was my first spring training with Houston. It was February of 2018. I had reported to camp a week earlier. And, you know, I was was a minor league guy. I've never pitched above high A um, in the minor league. So I was still very early into my development. And I got the opportunity to be a part of what's called mini camp. And basically what mini camp is, it's a few minor leaguers um, that they invite to spring training a little bit early. Minor league camp usually starts in early March. So um, we show up about a week after big league camp starts and we're basically there just to um, offer any assistance to big league camp any way we can, you know, we'll, we'll help out with some drills. We'll, we'll get our own practice work in, but then we also get the opportunity to, uh, back up some big league games. So what that means is is the big league roster will kind of go out and pitch, and especially in those first few games of spring training, like your starting pitchers will only pitch one or two innings, and then you've got about six or seven bullpen guys that will get their work in. And usually it's like the eighth and the ninth. Um, you need an extra pitcher or two, so that's where the mini camp guys kind of come into play. And so my first my first week of spring training, I really wasn't expecting. I was like, you know, I'm the new guy, like, yeah, I'm in mini camp, but there's no way that I'll actually get a pitch in any of these big league games. I'll probably just hang out in the bullpen, kick my feet up, watch Justin Verlander and some of these great pitchers pitch and just kind of get my feet wet and get to know some of the guys. Um, my first time, uh, my first game getting called up uh, over to back up a big league game, you know, I, I get there and I walk into the bullpen and the bullpen coach is like, hey, you're Bailey, right? I was like, yes, sir. He was like, yeah, so if um, – Verlander or Hector Rendon in these first three or four innings get into any trouble, you'll come in and clean up the mess, okay? And my heart just started racing so fast. I started sweating. And I was like, that freak out moment, like, 
you look in the bullpen and there's all these other guys like, you know, Brad Peacock, Chris Davinsky, some of these veteran level pitchers and like that haven't even pitched in the game yet. And they're telling me like, Hey, like you might be getting in like the third of the, the third or the fourth. And, you know, and I, like I said, I'm, you know, 22 year old kid that is just in awe of all of these like all-star big leaguers that are coming off a world series victory. And here I am like, you know, this kid from Gonzaga university that, you know, just absolutely in shock that I'm even in the bullpen first off, let alone to potentially even actually pitch in the game. And so then I watch, you know, Justin Verlander warm up and I'm thinking to myself, I was like, I have no business being on this <laughs> field right now. Like, what am I doing? Like, I, I love this sport, but this guy is probably the best pitcher of our generation. And he's the starting pitcher and I'm in the bullpen, technically his teammate for a day. And, just watching him pitch, he goes out there, throws 96, 97, you know, curveball slider, just like absolutely disgusting, you know, strikes out, I think, four of the six guys he faces, makes it look easy. And then Hector Rendon, who's an established big leaguer, who's now with the uh, Arizona Diamondbacks um, in their bullpen, you know, he goes out there and he kind of struggles a little bit. I think he gave up a few hits, walked a guy, you know, kind of starts struggling and sure as shit, the phone rings. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is not happening right now. <laughs> and they, they're like, Bailey, get loose. And I was like, this is, this is not real right now. I Like, what is going on? And so I get up on the mound, and my first pitch, like, I just absolutely sail it. It almost goes out of the bullpen because I'm so nervous. <laughs> and everyone's just like that moment they're, like, looking at you, like, what the heck is this kid doing? Like, what is going on? <laughs> and uh, I just get another ball and thank the Lord, the next pitch, I kind of getting loose in the bullpen was a strike. And then, you know, I was like, okay, I don't, I might not even actually have to go in. Like maybe Hector will get out of this. You know, he's got a one, two count against this guy. And I think he comes back and he walks him and sure as shit, uh, bullpen phone rings. They call down and they're Bailey in the game. And I was like, Oh my gosh, this is not happening right now. This is not happening. And <laughs> I run out on the field, and um, Max Stassi and A.J. Hinch, the manager and the catcher, they're waiting for me on the mound. And, and then here's Jose Altuve, Alex Bregman, Carlos Correa, and Yuri, Yuli Gurriel literally standing there, too. And I walk up, and Max Stassi's like, hey, man, like, nice to meet you. I'm Stass. Like, I'm a catcher. So, like, what pitches? Or he's like – he didn't say what pitches. He's like, what's your name? And I was just like – so nervous I just said fastball curveball slider change <laughs> he just started busting out laughing he was like all right man like let's go get him like what do you want to do with the runner on second I was like chase the two he's like okay let's do it <laughs> and I didn't even tell him my name I was so nervous that I just said fastball curveball slider change and uh yeah and then the next moment was a blur I think I threw two fastballs got the guy to ground out and got out of it and uh Go, go into the dugout and AJ Hinch was like uh, do you want to pitch another one and I was like I mean absolutely you know and, and at that point I felt a little bit less nervous because I was able to get out of the inning and uh, go back out and throw a three up three down and it was just one of those moments again just kind of like the big league debut at Minute Maid Park it's something I'll never forget it's just crazy story and uh, going back to that that debut Brandon I think it's such a unique time right now with baseball like Normally that moment would be celebrated with, you know, family, friends in the stands that, you know, made the trip out there, like expecting that you're, you're finally going to get your chance. What were those conversations like, you know, after the fact when you finally, you know, got to talk to your family and, you know, kind of celebrate that moment together? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, 
first person I got to see was my girlfriend, Rachel. Um, she's actually here in Houston with me. She works remotely for a company called People's Mortgage. So she's been able to be here with me throughout this entire process. So just being able to go home to her and, you know, she, tears in her eyes and just like, like emotional roller coaster, I guess you could say, just simply because you feel so much, you feel like an adrenaline high from pitching in a big league game. You're also like mentally, physically, and emotionally exhausted, but then you're so happy because you accomplished like a lifelong dream and, you know, and you just want to, you want to go celebrate, but then, you know, you've got to maybe potentially pitch the next day. There's so many thoughts running through your head at that point. So I, you know, I got to spend a special moment with her, which meant a lot to me. And then uh, we called my parents, my mom and dad, and my dad was just, he was like, this is just, he was like, I couldn't ask for more out of life. Like right now, this is, I've been watching you do this since you were could walk since you were two or three years old. And now to see you out there on a big league field, he was like, I've been dreaming about this moment just like you since, you know, since you were born, you know, and to see you accomplish your dream. He was like, I'm the proudest guy on the planet right now. And, you know, my mom just so emotional wanting to know, like, you know, she's like, what do you think of the teammates? What about Altuve, Correa? Did the coach say anything? Typical mom questions, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> Oh, yeah, what did, what did you, my mom asked me that all the time. <laughs> you know, like, what, what did you have for dinner after the game? I don't, you know, mom questions. And then also what made it even more special was that on the day that I debuted, it was actually my girlfriend Rachel's birthday. So we had a lot to celebrate, and it was just kind of like, felt like destiny, like uh, the stars aligned kind of thing. It, it would happen the perfect way. Um, and yeah, it was, it was just great. It was just awesome. Wow, man. That's, that is pretty awesome. Uh, and so now it's been a couple weeks into the season. I think we're actually, I think we're a third of the way through this 60 game season already. Uh, you've gone out there, you've taken the mountain four times and sort of a specific question for you here. The last outing against the A's, you, ca- you come in in the bottom of the fourth inning, the first batter, uh, you walk him, and then he's able to get to second on a pitch that gets away from you. At that moment, when you have zero outs uh, with a runner on second, as an irrational fan watching the game, my first thought is, oh, crap, Bailey just Bailey's going to give up a run here. Runner in scoring position, no outs. But no, you come back, second batter flies out, third batter, you strike him out. Congrats, first major league strikeout, I think that was. And then fourth batter, ground out. So obviously you're not thinking like me, the irrational fan that you automatically gave up this run just because he's on second with no outs. What are you thinking in that position, especially as a guy, you know, this is only your fourth game. Yeah. You know, I, I, in that moment, obviously, like I understand that there's a runner on second base and it's like, okay. Uh, you know, Steven Piscotty's a good hitter. You know, I think he had a solid swing on a fastball that day and, you know, I, even though I had a wild pitch, it was still one and two. You know, I was like, okay, now we got to lock in even more kind of that damage control situation, you know, runner in scoring position, just like you mentioned. And at that moment, I didn't feel super nervous uh, just because I was like, I had an account and I was like, I've got probably two pitches that I can kind of really try and throw something that I'm going to get him fishing or make a really quality pitch that's going to really throw off his timing. And in that moment, Maldonado, my catcher, called changeup, which is my, in my personal pitching opinion, my best pitch. Uh, and I felt really confident in that moment to execute. And you know, once I got Piscotty to pop up, I was like, okay, one out, like this is manageable. Like 
Uh, Tony Kemp was coming up short, um, left-handed hitter, uh, kind of a utility guy, doesn't have a lot of pop. And I was like, okay, worst case scenario, this guy, you know, maybe ropes a double. That's worst case scenario because I don't think he's going to take me deep. I don't, I don't think uh, he has that kind of pop to kind of really ambush me and take one out of the, out of the yard. So I can attack here. Um, and again, left-handed hitter, I felt really confident in my changeup. Just kept kind of sticking to the game plan and kind of what we were trying to execute and how we were trying to attack him and was able to strike him out. And then at that point, okay, two outs, uh, I just need to get one more guy and then I'm going to get out of this sticky situation, you know. And like I said, we were kind of working towards the bottom of the lineup. I think it was a nine-hole hitter, Austin Allen, uh, that was up to plate. Um, and I was just like, okay, you know, if I can execute here, we, we can get out of this. And luckily I was able to throw him a fastball on him, roll it over and kind of got through that inning unscathed. Obviously as a pitcher, you want to get that leadoff hitter, especially when you come in out of the bullpen, you really want to get that first guy. And uh, was a little bit shaky. You know, it was kind of a situation where the game kind of got out of hand for us um, really quickly. And uh, the starter kind of, things kind of spiraled out of control very fast and me still trying to get used to the bullpen role and get used to just popping up off the bench and grabbing a ball and just chucking the ball and trying to get my arm loose as quickly as possible. Uh, and then not only get my arm loose, but then also establish a feel for the strike zone in all five of my pitches. Uh, it's still, it's still a challenge and it's still a learning experience for me just simply because I've been a starter uh, all throughout high school, college, and all the way up and through my minor league career. So um, it's definitely a learning curve, but I'm, yeah, every outing that I go out there, I get a little bit more comfortable with it. And uh, hopefully here uh, I can continue to get more opportunities to come out of the pen and kind of learn uh, how to establish a feel for a strike zone and how to get my arm loose a little bit quicker. So that way when we get out there, hopefully we can get that first batter and start a quality um, clean inning. Yeah, that, that sounds like a uh, better mindset than uh, me just expecting that run to score. But uh, for those of, of those listeners who don't know, you were drafted 2016 actually by the Oakland A's. And so does that, does that feel differently when you're, you're playing against a team that drafted you and then traded? And I, I know there was a whole, uh, uh, what is it, Dan, the Rule 5 draft that came up. So what, what is that whole situation like? Ooh, uh, that, that was loaded yeah. Yeah, so um, just simply uh, having the opportunity to play against some of the athletics minor league teams um, once I was traded over. Um, you know, we played uh, the Midland Rockhounds, which is the AA affiliate for the Oakland A's, um, a lot during my time in Corpus Christi, Texas with the Corpus Christi Hooks. So, you know, kind of already getting used to competing against some of your former teammates, your your former organization. I had those experiences prior to pitching in the big leagues, and obviously – once you're on in the big leagues, it's kind of the, the, the center stage, as you may say, you might say, just simply because, you know, it's nationally televised games, this and that, you know, and the media t tries to sometimes spin up like stories that make it just a little bit more intriguing, um, <laughs> which is kind of what happened. And, you know, for me, it was more so I wasn't thinking about, yeah, this is my former team, this and that. I was thinking, okay, my job is to try and come out here and kind of limit the damage we're already down uh we're, the game is not out of reach yet like if I'm able to throw a couple of zeros here like we might be able to make a comeback and and that's what I was focused on you know I think when you get out on the bump as a, as a competitor and as a pitcher especially you you kind of get lost in that the the cat, cat and mouse game or the, the chess game as you will you know each count 
offers a different situation. Um, each hitter that's up to bat um, offers a different challenge. And, you know, runners on base, are they fast, are they not? You know, those, those types of situations kind of all start flowing through your head and you don't really think about anything else but trying to execute whatever task is in front of you. Um, uh, so in that moment, uh, no, I really wasn't thinking about it. But unfortunately, um, I had a fastball kind of get away from me uh, from Ram- on Ramon Laureano in my second inning. And what, what a lot of people think is that I was intentionally trying to hit Ramon, but that wasn't the case. You know, I had a runner on first base, uh, you know, so and, and uh, nobody out. And me being a rookie, every single outing that I have, I'm trying to uh, – continue to show that you know I belong up here um that I'm trying to earn a spot in this bullpen because as you guys know nothing's guaranteed I could get sent back down to the minors at any point so <laughs> for the media to say that I, I intentionally hit Ramon is absurd because one like I said like I'm, I'm a rookie I'm trying to earn my job and keep my job but two I, I'm a rookie and I don't feel like I have enough confidence to be like okay yeah I'm going to purposely hit this guy, even though I got a runner on first base, nobody out, but I can work out of this runners on first and second with Matt Chapman, Matt Olson and uh, Mark Canna coming up, you know, I'll be fine. (laughs) Absolutely not. You know, I was just simply trying to throw a fastball inside because that's kind of what the scouting report was telling me to do. And, you know, I, I kind of let it slip away and got in there and and unfortunately hit the guy, but, uh, and it's even more unfortunate that that's the guy that I was traded for because, you know, the media had a heyday with it. But, you know, in that moment, uh, that that was the first time once I hit him, I was think that was the first time I was like, man, the media is probably going to have a heyday with that one. Uh, <laughs> but then I kind of got back into it because you have to focus really quickly. Obviously, it's Matt Chapman and Matt Olson coming to the dish. They're two best hitters, two all-stars, you know, really great players. So didn't have really time to think about all that stuff outside the lines. Well, Brandon, I think it's just a great story that you you hit Loriano obviously because you're upset that you got traded. So that's just how the media works, you know. <laughs> yeah, you know, obviously, you know that, that makes sense. But what people don't understand <laughs> is if I wasn't if if it wasn't for Ramon, I wouldn't have been pitching on that field that day. Like genuinely, you know, there's a lot of talented pitchers in the athletic system, a lot of good, really good prospects, and you know. Uh, who, who's to say, like, I, who's to say I would even be in the big leagues right now if it wasn't for Ramon? So I have no ill will towards the guy. If anything, I wanted to give him a hug. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because I, I have the opportunity to pitch in the big leagues with the Astros. Yeah, it, it was funny when uh, we were, you know, going to do this interview. We kind of watched some of your outings, and I heard the uh, Astros announcers say, like, "Hey, that's for me missing my rent check or something." Like when you had to move, <laughs> and it was just like. Come on, man. This is a rookie trying to make his mark, and that's the last he tried to do there. Was to, no, was the, yeah, was the plunk absolutely. Ramon. But, Brandon, yeah. uh, switching gears now over to college, um, you know, you guys are, uh, you know, living through this weird, you know, dynamic now. You guys have, like, what, like a 108-page safety proposal and stuff like that. We're seeing kind of how that's working out uh, across the bigs. And now we're seeing, like, the way colleges need to operate. From your perspective, of, you know, going through the day-to-day now in, in the bigs, like how do you think college sports can continue to operate kind of under this new uh, dynamic? Yeah, I mean, it's obviously very challenging. Um, one advantage that professional sports have um, over college sports would be simply, you know, more financial funding. You know, it's 
there's a lot more money in professional athletics um, just simply because of, you know, you got a lot of revenue from, you know, fans coming to the games and, you know, long, rich history of like professional baseball and, you know, NBA and NFL uh, being able to, uh, you know, be able to perform on not only a national but global stage, whereas uh, college sports, it might be more confined to, um, you know, local cities, like counties and, and states per se, like, for example, Gonzaga University, you know, Spokane, Washington, and then this, and then maybe you kind of stretch it out to Seattle, Idaho area. But once you kind of leave the Pacific Northwest, like, yeah, Gonzaga basketball is, you know, known nationally, but um, just in terms of the money, uh, it's very, very different. So uh, just having the opportunity for us to be able to test every other day, you know, I, I can't imagine that's cheap. Um, but I think, I think if college athletics is able to do a good job of, you know, trying to limit um, capacity and the, like, you know, workout rooms, practices, you know, spacing out practice times uh, to be able to have um, small, small number of athletes working uh, at similar times. Um, I think those would be a great, start, a great starting points just to really emphasize social distancing. Um, you know, and I think also um, just being able to kind of teach athletes like how to properly use PPE, um, protective equipment, uh, you know, emphasizing like sanitizing and um, good sanitation and just good hygiene, um, things of that nature. You know, if you can wear gloves at, at, as much as you possibly can, masks at all times, unless you're doing um, exerting like intense physical activity. I know that's one change that the MLB has made um, to their original 108 page proposal is that now during games, it's required that players wear masks um, and try to socially distance at all times, unless they're actually out on the field performing like intense physical activity. So um, for us, like in the locker rooms, like every, every lockers, you know, spaced out six feet apart. Um, we can't like have more than like, uh, you know, four or five guys in the shower at a time you know, and again, socially distanced, um, same with bathrooms, same with training rooms, weight rooms. Uh, so I think in terms of like just getting creative in terms of like scheduling and trying to space out athletes um, practicing and training um, at different times throughout the day. And obviously on game days, you're going to have to be um, a little bit more creative because, you know, you have everybody showing up to the field at the same time. But I think if you um, kind of follow the protocols that are being put in place by these, some of these professional sports, for example, you know, baseball, if we're not playing in the game, we're required to sit in the stand six, six, um, seat, uh, sit six feet apart. That was kind of hard to say for some reason right there, uh, <laughs> but you guys kind of get the idea, you know, like it, it's not necessarily about like, we need to be like spend all this money on testing and like having people come in and completely like, desanitize like the equipment and stuff you can do that on your own you know if you just like when you're working out having like a pack of like disinfected wipes you use it you use equipment you wipe it down you know and that you just don't even think about it and it comes kind of second nature and that's kind of what I've found too is it's like I don't even think about it anymore it's like okay when I when I go into the dugout the clubhouse and I'm not doing anything I have my mask on you know if I'm sitting in the bullpen not doing anything I have my mask on okay it's time for me to throw it's time for me to run take my mask off, you know, put it in my back pocket. It's it, as the more you do it, uh, it starts to become second nature. And I, I think that uh, in terms of the college atmosphere, um, just kind of being able to teach 
the young athletes how to properly like social distance, how to sanitize, you know, how to have proper hygiene and then, you know, like elite scheduling, I think is what it's going to be able to, uh, what it's going to take for college athletics to kind of really get up and running again. Yeah, that's, that's a very good answer. Sounds like uh, the NCAA could use you on their, uh, on their sort of protector, <laughs> protective measuring uh, committee or whatever they got going on. But, but sticking with college here now in 2013, uh, an 18 year old Zane selected Gonzaga university of his college of choice because you know, they offered me a nice little financial aid package. I heard about some guy named Adam Morrison that played basketball there. And so that's why I went to Gonzaga. What drew Brandon Bailey to Gonzaga University? Oh, wow. That's such a great question. Um, Thank I you. would say uh, I had the opportunity in high school to come up and play in a tournament that Gonzaga University baseball uh, hosts at the Patterson Baseball Complex in the summertime for like high school travel teams, club teams to kind of come out and it gives the coaches at Gonzaga an opportunity to kind of look at some of the young talent that might be of interest. And I had the opportunity to go up there and pitch and play uh, with my high school travel team. And uh, right when I got to Spokane, I just fell in love with it just simply because it felt like Colorado, you know, there's, there's a lot of pine trees, just a lot of green, just beautiful scenery, you know, downtown Spokane. It's, there's a city, there's things to do, but then if you want to get out of the city and, you know, go to the lake or, um, just go hiking or something like that, you know, 15, 20 minute drive, boom, you're out in the valley or 40 minute drive, you're in Coeur d'Alene. Um, so you can experience the outdoors, you know, it's got four, four seasons. You got your fall, winter, uh, summer and spring. And being from Colorado, I really appreciate that. Um, uh, I, I'm from a Catholic background. So the Catholic Jesuit, uh, teachings was very intriguing to me. And then finally, um, just as a person that values my education uh, very highly, uh, I saw that they had the major that I was interested in pursuing, which was sport management. And on top of that, you know, it's a, it's a small school for me. I just didn't feel like I would really um, thrive in a classroom of, or a lecture hall of 250, 300 people. Um, so the small class sizes also was very uh, intriguing to me. And obviously the campus uh, speaks for itself absolutely gorgeous and uh the athletic uh complexes are the top tier top of the line and uh just to be able to uh play baseball under head coach mark mactoff danny evans and brandon Harmon, and coach bennett uh steve bennett who is the former pitching coach at gonzaga and sean winston all of those guys are just not only great baseball coaches but even better people and you know i i tell everybody that i know that doesn't know much about Gonzaga University it's just uh it's just like honestly the alumni and everybody that's involved with the university are not not just great students great professors but even better people and you know there it means a lot to be a zag and that that though to be a zag means a lot of different things and it's just a great great place to play play baseball but then also go to school just because I not only got better at athletics. I not only grew as a student, but I became an even better person because of Gonzaga University and the people that are involved with the university. So uh, yeah, those are just a few reasons why I chose Gonzaga. <laughs> Love that answer. Pretty good reasons. Pretty good reasons. Now, when people think of Gonzaga, obviously a lot of times they jump right to the basketball team. It's, it's kind of a basketball school. There's, there's no secret there. Uh, but slowly, 
the baseball team at Gonzaga also seems to be uh, putting its mark on the school. We have quite a few professional baseball players now. Yourself, Marco Gonzalez are, are in the league. Wyatt Mills, Taylor Jones, uh, they're all uh, also professionally playing baseball right now. What is it like to be a baseball player at what is thought to be a basketball school? And what is that sort of brotherhood of professional baseball players that went to Gonzaga like? Because we see it with the, with the professional basketball players. So what is that like as a baseball player at Gonzaga? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think for all of us that arrived on campus as, you know, young freshmen, Gonzaga baseball players, we obviously all just really appreciate what the basketball program has been able to accomplish and what Coach Few and the rest of the coaching staff, how they've been able to, to leave their mark, not only on Spokane and the state of Washington, but on, uh, you know, the national level. And I think we really use that as motivation to try and uh, maybe hold slowly but surely establish something similar, you know. Um, and for me, you know, when I was at school, you know, everyone's always talking basketball, basketball, basketball. And I, there's nobody, there's no bigger Gonzaga basketball fan than myself. I'll tell you that. But I also <laughs> tried to use that motivation just simply because, you know, I think what like, kind of gets overlooked is all the, a lot of the talent of all the other student athletes that play all the other sports at Gonzaga sometimes gets overshadowed. So for me, um, I, I tried to do everything I possibly could to try and help put Gonzaga baseball on the map uh, and trying to kind of gain that traction and attention of not only my fellow students, but, you know, the university and, you know, the Spokane community. And it's just really cool to see kind of the foundation that was laid even before me, um, you know, by a lot of really talented individuals that played baseball, you know, you think of guys like uh, Tyler Olson, Corey LeBron, Sam Brown, uh, so, so many different names of like guys that uh, kind of get overlooked by even some of us guys that, you know, play, play professionally. And there's just a lot of really, really great baseball players that come through. Um, and it's, it's just like the basketball team. It's, it's a brotherhood. It's really it's just really a great group of people that all love the same game and grow very, very close during our three or four years at the university. You know, I still keep in touch with all of my former teammates, you know, Tyler Frost, Eli Morgan, Calvin LeBron, uh, you know, I could go Daniel Bees, the list goes on and on of all of my close friends, Sam Hellinger, Justin Vernia, um, Wyatt Mills, et cetera. All, all of my former teammates, I'm still very close with. We keep in touch. We try to meet up as much as we possibly can during the off season. Um, and I know one thing that all Gonzaga baseball university alumni uh, really look forward to is uh, alumni weekend, which is the last weekend of September. We, I think last year had over 120 Gonzaga baseball alumni come out for the weekend to just celebrate Gonzaga baseball and what the program has been able to accomplish, but then also have an opportunity to get together and just reminisce about uh, those great three or four years that you have being able to put on a Zag uniform and represent uh, Gonzaga university to the best of your ability and just reminisce on funny stories, you know, you know, experiences getting to play teams like Arizona state, Texas Christian university, some of these elite level programs, UCLA, you know, the list goes on and on and uh, just being able to just enjoy that time together. It's, it's a really great program uh, led by some great coach, great coaches. And uh, I think it's also just 
a great, great place to play baseball. It really is in the Pacific Northwest. Yeah, well, that's that's uh, a lot better answer than the financial aid and all that stuff. But uh, so, so what people don't know outside of your baseball career, a lot of your time at Gonzaga was actually spent in the intramural department where you worked with myself and Dan here. Uh, and yeah. so how, how did you get involved as a Gonzaga intramural referee? And you actually did it for multiple years. It wasn't just a one and done kind of thing, but you were with us for a while there. Yeah, you know, um, so during my time at Gonzaga, you know, just like any other college student, didn't have a lot of money and was trying to figure out ways that I could, you know, just make a little extra cash to, you know, go buy some beverages for the weekend or, you know, <laughs> out. Um, or just uh, simply have a little spending money, you know, if I wanted to, you know, I'm, I'm a huge sneaker head. So like if I was saving up for the latest shoe drop on the sneaker app on Nike.com or whatever, uh, just to have a little spending money, just to uh, have, the, have the flexibility to kind of do, go do some fun stuff. So kind of started looking into it and I saw um, that intramurals at Gonzaga is a huge deal. Uh, you know, there's, I, there's so many, so many students that get involved. Um, and whether it be basketball, flag football, you know, uh, friggin' uh, what's the water, water basketball, <laughs> basketball, baby, huge, yeah, huge, huge. whatever. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, that all of, all of that, it's just a lot of fun just to get, to be able to interact with, um, some of my, some of my peers that weren't athletes, you know, and just get to spend more time, uh, just kind of felt like being a normal student, uh, and so I, I took the opportunity to try and get involved. You know, I had a prior background to being a basketball referee uh, for high school basketball in the Spokane area. So I felt like that would be a great opportunity to uh, just ref some games uh, during my time uh, as a student. And then also got involved with flag football, which was a lot of fun. Uh, but yeah, that, that, that was kind of my reasoning behind it. And it was one of the best decisions I've ever made because I got to meet guys like yourself, you know, you guys, oh, um, shucks. it made, made a, <laughs> like, it a, it a great impact on my, uh, experience at Gonzaga university, just to be able to feel like I was a normal student, you know, not that didn't have to go to, you know, practice and, you know, wait at 6am, but just simply be able to interact with a lot of my other classmates and, uh, have a good time and enjoy what it means to be a Zag. I think that's a, a, you know, great thing you brought up about being a normal student. Cause the first time I met you probably was just through refing. And then I come to find out that you're just a lights out pitcher and have serious major league aspirations. And I never would have known just by the way, you know, you just kind of carried yourself. And it seemed like when you were, you know, out on the intramurals, that was the biggest thing to you. So that was a, you know, a cool quality to see. I think a lot of our, uh, a lot of our listeners, probably didn't play the the competitive basketball so they maybe didn't actually play a game that you refed because you know you're kind of strictly in that area as one of our better refs that's a nice way to say we're not great athletes and neither are our listeners (laughs) some of our listeners might have played competitively but most of us we were more the rec intermediate maybe intermediate if we're if we're feeling frisky uh but but brandon if you could if you had a ref you got the men's competitive championship basketball game you're out there on the court you get to pick one other ref with you. You picking me or you picking Zane? Oh gosh, could we do three man? Could we do three man ref? ref we don't know that rotation. That, yeah, that, that was too complicated. Oh, for it'd us. take too much practice. Uh, we we talked about it. <laughs> we just well, gotta I go lead and trail. 
I could teach. It's really, really easy. So we might have to go. <laughs> we're going to bring it up on the fly. You know, we need we need the covering the sea, the sea gap for sure. So. <laughs> yeah. Now, now, when you were talking about Gonzaga intramurals, you, you did a great job of selling it as this, oh, big, friendly thing. Everyone comes out. The students get together and play. The dark side of Gonzaga intramurals <laughs> is that sometimes people get a little hot-headed. Gonzaga, the student population is very competitive. So do you remember any, of, any specific story or experience where you had to deal with sort of a hot-headed player? Because I, I know I have countless. I'm sure Dan does too. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, especially in the competitive basketball. I don't know. I don't know what gets into some of these uh, um, Gonzaga students once they step on the court, but they think it's uh, March Madness and they're, they're repping the Zags against freaking Duke or something like that. I don't know. But I, I know that there were times, you know, like as a ref and just that's the kind of the nature of officiating is like someone is like 50% of the fans and 50% of like the people that are on the court are not going to agree with what call you make. It doesn't matter what call it was, if it was the right call, the wrong call, someone's going to be upset about it. And that's, that's just something you're going to have to learn uh, as a young official is that, you know, you're not going to be, be able to please everybody, but you just got to try and call the game as fairly as you can to the best of your ability. But I, I can't speak to specific moments. I do remember that uh, I had definitely some people that were not happy with some of the calls that I made in some of the competitive games and uh, got a little heated about it. But, you know, it is what it is. And, you know, it's just the nature of competition. It brings, uh, brings out people that want to win and uh, want to succeed. And I respect that. Yeah. Well, well, one specific experience that I actually remember that you were involved with, it was uh, when you, myself, and two other refs had to uh, ref the Bulldog Bowl which was, a, for those who don't know, it's a big uh, flag football game for an all-boys dorm, DeSmet versus, uh, what is it, CM, Catherine Monica dorm. And this gets very, very competitive. And I'll never forget, you made a pass interference call downfield, and the DeSmet team just got livid. And so we met up in our little ref circle to discuss it, and we're all like, Brandon, do you, do you really think this was a PI? And with just a stone cold look on your face, you said, absolutely. Call stood. And, and it was, it was a big call in the moment, but I, I don't know if you remember that play. Uh, I think I do. I think I do just remember like everybody. I, I was a CM guy myself. You know, I spent my freshman year in CM and I remember all of the Smet people knew that I was from CM and they thought that I was like, bias towards wanting CM to win the game and here I am just like I have no stake in this game I can care less <laughs> just here to make my what was it $11 an hour like I don't care <laughs> like you know it, so for me it was funny that they were actually like one taking it so to heart that they were just absolutely livid with me and two trying to like say that I was biased or an unfair ref and that I wanted CM to win. And here, I think I was like a junior at the time. You know, I was like, I don't care, like, what freshman, you know, it, whatever. It doesn't matter. You know, I'm just here to try and make a little bit of money. Jeez. <laughs> well, you did a great job in that game. And uh, you had to fill in for me because I was told that I was a bad representative of both dorms. So I, had, I was not allowed <laughs> to partake in it. So we called Brandon off the bench and he, and he did a hell of a job. So great job, Bailey. I was I was, I was I was very proud watching you that night. There we go. All right. Hey, Justin here. Uh, looking to switch gears a little bit here, Brandon. Um, uh, 
just to share a little bit about myself, I actually interned um, at a strength and conditioning gym down here in San Diego, focused on baseball performance. So I obviously saw uh, you were working at Driveline. Really curious just to hear, you know, what your experience was like there and, uh, you know, learn a little bit more about, you know, what Kyle, Kyle Body's like. He's definitely big on the Twitter sphere. So would love to hear about that. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I've been doing uh, or being involved with uh, driveline baseball since I was a, actually a freshman in college. It was my freshman summer. I was playing for the Wenatchee Apple Sox and one of my teammates, Drew Rasmussen, who is actually from Spokane, went on to play uh, for the Oregon State Beavers and now is with the Milwaukee Brewers organization. Uh, he was throwing uh, plyo balls against the outfield fence and it kind of caught my attention just because I I like to uh, think of myself as an outside-the-box thinker in terms of player development and finding new ways to improve as an athlete, uh, especially from the pitching performance side of things. And um, I went up to him and I asked him kind of uh, what he was doing. He was like, oh, like uh, it's this new program called Driveline. They're based out of Seattle. It's kind of for velocity development. And I was like, that's really interesting. I kind of want to check it out. Um, so he gave me Kyle's information. I was able to schedule um, uh, kind of a – what would you say, like kind of a breakdown or a week-long kind of analysis situation where I would go in and kind of learn their protocols and learn the program. And uh, they'd kind of teach me um, the practice and kind of what their thinking was behind it. Uh, So I was able to get out there in December of 2014 uh, during winter break uh, and kind of meet Kyle uh, and meet some of the people that work there. And I just absolutely love the program it made a lot of sense and I really appreciated their usage of data uh, in order to try and help with the player development side of things. It's, you know, it's concrete, it's factual, it's numbers. And that I really appreciated that because it wasn't the whole uh, stereotypical uh, eyewash verbal cues that you get from, you know, high school coaches sometimes that they don't actually really know anything about player development or teaching like proper throwing mechanics. They're just, telling you what they learned when they were a kid and it could be like the furthest thing from the truth but they you do it anyways because that's what the coach says um so that's kind of how I got involved with driveline and then this past off season um I knew that that's where I wanted to be uh just in terms of my my personal development as an athlete um and my girlfriend and I decided to move to Seattle for the winter um lived in an apartment about 10 minutes away from driveline in Kent Washington um just just across the street from uh, what do you call it? Uh, what's that arena where the Seattle Thunderbirds play? Is anyone from Seattle in this group? I don't. It doesn't matter. But anyway, <laughs> uh, and then I, you know, I decided that you know if I was able to work at Driveline, then uh, my training would be free. So Kyle, knowing that I had uh, about two or three years of experience um, being an athlete at Driveline, he welcomed me with open arms. Arms to intern there. Uh, which was a great opportunity for me to learn even more. Uh, I'm a bit big advocate for the kind of the idea that if you can teach something, that truly means that you know it uh, very, very well. Um, so for me to be able to teach other people about proper throwing mechanics or how to throw like, and you know, execute like a curveball grip or a changeup, et cetera, uh, it helped me with my own personal development as well. So just having the opportunity to work there, um, and be in that fast-paced environment where, you know, you're, you're working with a number of different athletes every single day, um, having, to, having to follow up with, you know, reports and breakdowns of each athlete, offering them insight and uh, kind of mechanical breakdowns and analysis of how they can improve 
um, and what their um, deficiencies are within their game. Uh, it was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. And I learned a lot from Kyle and I'm extremely thankful for everything that he's done for me in my career. Um, I truly wouldn't be here if it wasn't for driveline baseball and Kyle Bodie, um, extremely great people at driveline. Um, they, they know what they're doing. They know their stuff. Uh, and I couldn't be a, more of an advocate for driveline baseball player development. Yeah. I, I think the whole driveline thing is so fascinating right now because you're seeing, I mean, just this past off season, so many like high profile big league pitchers are now going up there to, to, to study their own mechanics. I know as a, as a Dodger fan, I know Kenley Jansen is one of the big names that just went up there this past season. So yeah, that Kershaw it's a, it's a, yeah, I, I Kershaw as well. Yep. It's a very, very cool program up there, but, but now I want to turn, turn the attention to uh, Cooper's quick hits right now. We're gonna have a couple of quick questions for you. So Cooper, take it away. What up, Brandon? So kind of sticking with the baseball theme to start out. My first question is what is your all time favorite strikeout? Yeah, wow. Um, I'd, I'd probably have to say uh, strikeout number 17 of the West Coast Conference Championship Tournament against Ooh. BYU. Uh, that was probably that, that moment, uh, one strikeout that I'll never forget. I think it was uh, Colton Shaver, I believe, who ironically is now one of my teammates in the Astros organization. But um, obviously that's the most strikeouts I've ever had in a game, and it was a big game for the Zags uh, trying to get to the – NCAA tournament and it was something I'll never forget for those of you who didn't hear that was strikeout number 17 (laughs) that's wild that's insane uh number two is what is Verlander like uh JV is actually a great guy um I haven't had too many opportunities to interact with him unfortunately just because you know he went down with the forearm strain but um the day that I found out that I made the team when I was leaving the stadium he was just arriving and I was kind of walking out the door and he pulled me to the side. He was like, congratulations, man. I'm so happy for you. You know, welcome to the team, you know, and, and let's get them tomorrow. Let's get the Mariners. I was like, wow, that's, that's really cool. You know, just simply for a guy, you know, I'm <laughs> that's incredible. Old, you know, like 40, 42 or however old he is. And he's still pitching as one of the top, top pitchers in the league, you know, just we'll go down him or Kershaw is probably the best pitcher of our generation. Uh, and uh, it's just surreal. He, he, you know, he had a big smile on his face. He was genuinely happy for me, made me feel welcome, made me feel a part of the team right off the bat. So that, he's, he's a great guy. Uh, hoping to get to know him more uh, over the next year or so. Yeah, and to kind of piggyback off that, have you had the pleasure of meeting Kate Upton yet? <laughs> I have not had the pleasure of meeting Kate. <laughs> My girlfriend, Rachel, I'm sure – uh, maybe get hopefully get lucky one of these days. Maybe go on a double date with JV and Kate. But, <laughs> oh, let's <laughs> go! <laughs> Love that. Love that. Uh, from what I've heard is uh, she she doesn't come around very often, and, and obviously <laughs> JV said that you know he's got a, he's got a baby now, so I'm sure they've got their hands full or plenty busy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, number three is uh, who's taller, you or Jose Altuve? <laughs> I am actually. I'm very. <laughs> Let's go. Finally, I met somebody, a teammate that I'm actually taller than. That doesn't happen often. Well, well, Brandon, I can I can just tell you as as another uh, pitcher myself. Uh, I, I pitch for competitive uh, adult league softball team. Um, it's not it's not easy for us little guys to get out there. So I'm proud of you representing us. Yeah, absolutely. I I do my best. <laughs> 
Um, and then being a, I'm also, I'm from Dallas, Brandon. So I'm, I'm pretty familiar with Texas humidity, but Houston humidity, I know is on a different level. So describe Houston humidity in three words. <laughs> My girlfriend's rolling her eyes, shaking her head because she knows she's, she can't stand the humidity there. Uh, I say uncomfortable. What did, what did you say? It is terrible. Oh, it is terrible. <laughs> I was going to say it fucking sucks. It's, it's, it's awful. Yeah, no, that's, it's tough. Texas summers are brutal. Um, and then Whataburger or In-N-Out? In-N-Out. Not Ooh, even close. Super. Take Great that. answer. Great answer. What? Have you had a patty melt yet? Oh, I've had the patty melt, but uh, I don't like butter chicken like biscuits. What? Uh, I've had the honey butter chicken biscuit as well. Now, but here's the thing: if we are basing it off just the burger, in which a patty melt, I don't necessarily count as a water burger. Hence, it's a patty melt. It's a separate <laughs> thing. If we're just comparing a water burger, a number one versus a double double at In and Out. It's not even close. Just now, what about – all right, let's compare spread to Whataburger spicy ketchup. I, I, the spicy ketchup, it, it doesn't taste like anything. It just tastes what? like ketchup. <laughs> I, I, it's all, it's got to be the spread. Hey, Brandon, you're losing some uh, brownie yeah. points here, bud. I don't, uh, <laughs> hey, yeah, Cooper, I don't, don't, don't bud but, him. He's the one in the majors. I'm not I, – I, don't get me wrong. I am a huge Whataburger fan. Uh, I've spent two seasons playing at Whataburger Field in Corpus Christi. Uh, you know, so I, I, I appreciate Whataburger just as much as the next guy. But it, it, is, it is tough for Texans to hear. But if you're just comparing a Whataburger versus a double-double, the double-double wins every single time. It's, it's just the truth. Great answer. All right. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> And last but not least, and I'll provide, provide a little context to this one, is I think most people would agree that for a baseball game and opening day in particular, that you're eating foods like pizza, hot dogs, peanuts, obviously beer. Um, so basically your, your baseball food pyramid, your food pyramid. Um, however, we had a couple members of this podcast for opening day partake, partake in a wine and cheese night. And so my question to you, Brandon, is do you find charcuterie to be a socially acceptable opening day meal? I, I think if you want to have some prosciutto and a glass of wine and watch a baseball game, more power to you. You know oh, what? Man. Thank you, Bailey. Don't you try food shaming me, Cooper. Don't you food shame me. Let's make, let's make baseball fun again. However you want to watch the game, if you want to have a hot dog and mustard and, you know, all the good stuff and all that, that that's great but if you and you want a beer awesome but if you want prosciutto and some wine some red wine i know zane if you want to come watch a game with rachel that's what she does every night she hey she cracks up in a bottle of freaking uh what do you call it man uh, chronology or <laughs> or just red wine in general yeah, I'm, I'm a big, big charcuterie fan. Pretty much do it for every sporting event. Cooper and Dan tried shaming me when Paige and I did it for opening day. I, I felt no shame. Actually, I did. I ended up cooking a hot dog on the side because yep, I got thank peer you. pressured. But. <laughs> I understand both sides, but you know what? It, it's 2020. It's a weird year. It's a weird season. Do whatever you got to do to enjoy the game. That's what I think. Awesome, awesome. All right, well, are there any other questions before I give Bailey our, our closing question here? Awesome. Well, here's the closing question. We ask it to all of our former Zag guests. Where 
are the Gonzaga Bulldogs finishing this basketball season if the uh, season is played? Finishing? Uh, geez. Well, let's say we got Corey Kispert coming back. Uh, that, that's a huge return for us. And uh, I, I, I'm a big Zag fan, like I said, and I'm, I really was look, I'm really bummed that they didn't get the opportunity to play in March Madness this past season. You know, I just kind of looking at the team as a whole. Uh, let's see. I, I'm going to give them an elite eight finish, uh, hoping that we can like squeak into the final four. But I, I'm always conservative, but I, I, I'm always proud that anytime they get past the Sweet 16, it's a great year. But I think an elite eight finish uh, with a splash of potentially a final four. That's, that's my prediction. Yeah, and it does seem like that late in the tournament, sort of just anything can happen once you get to the final four. Yeah, exactly. And I, I've seen I've seen us go all the way to the national championship game. I've also seen some great teams that didn't make it past the Sweet 16. But regardless, when you when you're a top eight team in the country, that's something to be proud of. And uh, you know, like I said, it just depends on the draw. I know uh, I know that obviously teams like Duke and. Kentucky and some of those other teams across the country that are very talented you just you just never know and again unfortunately I haven't been able to keep up with the recruiting uh, field as much as I as I probably should but I don't know what other what some of those other programs got coming in but I am excited about that guard we got coming in what's his name again I can I can never remember Jalen Suggs Jalen Suggs I was gonna say Suggs but yeah I'm, I'm looking forward to watching him play I've heard a lot of good things oh yeah Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Brandon. I know, I know the interview went a little longer than the promised 30 minutes, but we were having so much fun. We couldn't stop talking. It was a good time. It was a good time. <laughs> I really enjoyed it. Thanks for having me guys. I really appreciate it. Uh, stay healthy um, and go Zags. Go Zags and good luck with the rest of your season, buddy. We'll talk to you later. Great day to be a Zag, Brandon. Go get them. Great. Thanks. Absolutely. Thank you. Thanks. See ya. Hey, Brandon. See ya. That interview with Gonzaga legend and Houston Astro stud, Astro stud was brought to you by Zambi's Corner. Zambi. What's up, boys, boys, lots of toys. Today in Zambi's Corner, we have what to do during quarantine. We all know you can't be social, and if you are, you might get corona. So better safe than sorry. Mask up, Washington. Today's segment, I am featuring a few outdoor options that you can take advantage of during this quarantine. So we have a few options for you here. Obviously there's La Push over on the west side on the water. Um, you can go on the beach, you can go camping, it's a great place. A little bit closer to home for our Seattle listeners, we do have Lake 22. Interesting point, they actually didn't really name names for lakes when they named it. So it was 22nd Lake. You also will have Dirty Harry's Peak. It's a great hike. Don't recommend taking your girlfriend on it because it's tough. But the story behind that name, Dirty Harry was a logger back in the early 1900s. He actually put a Volkswagen van, excuse me, van up there. It's the Four Locos speaking, I apologize. And if you go all the way to the peak, even if you go in April, there's still snow at the top. I almost passed out, it was bad. And my closing part for the North Cascades is Lake Diablo, aquamarine water. And fun fact, back in the day, the person who started Seattle Public Utility ended up putting monkeys on the island. Because he's like, oh, this aquamarine water isn't 
cool enough. I'm just going to put monkeys on it. But they had to take the monkeys back in every night because it got too cold. So tough day to be a monkey, but they also introduced white deer to the area, which are only uh, found in Staten Island, New York, in the U.S. If you go to my Instagram account, I'm not going to plug it, but it's there. I will wrap this up with Dan is... He's very familiar with this place. It's called Glacier National Park. Absolute gem of Western Montana. If you have the opportunity, check it out. However, Montana does have a two week uh, mandatory isolation. Whether you follow that, that's up to you. For our Oregon listeners, Please obviously- Please follow it. Please follow it. <laughs> obviously, Crater <laughs> Lake and a little snippet for you here, Silver Falls State Park. You can go camping, hiking. If you're a crazy horse girl, you can do that too. You'll also see 10 waterfalls on your hike. It's a great time. And the last part, the Snoqualmie Falls. Great for our listeners close to home. You can rent a tube. They'll take you up and down. If you want to be a little bit more adventurous, I know Mr. Jake Gilman has been on this trip as well. You can float the Yakima River. Great company. No free ads, but if you want to know, let us know. And with that, it's Sammy's Corner. Terrific. Enlightening. I want to, I just want to get out now. What are we doing with our lives? We should be out. I, I have a question, Zamlin. You said there was one of those. What, what was the hike that was uh, too tough for the girlfriend? Oh, so uh, Dirty Harry's Peak, it's right off of I 90. <sighs> Well, well, my question, my follow-up question is, what if your girlfriend is tougher than you? Because I know Jake and Izzy, uh, Izzy's quite a bit tougher than, than Jake. Very true. <laughs> I, I think Izzy could do it. Um, granted, the girl, the girl I was talking to at the time didn't want to go, and my other friends who were going to go, they were too hungover, so. So it, it's not an Instagram hike. It's uh, if you're going for, for the activity. Well, I did Instagram it, so. Oh, okay. <laughs> Could I do it, Zambi? <laughs> You're a little too sick. <laughs> oh, man. All right, moving on, moving on. So for, for our next segment, we have our NBA bubble bracket challenge. That's right, another challenge, because what are we if not gluttons for punishment? So as we're all super happy uh, – to know the NBA is back, playoffs are back. We have four playoff games a day for the foreseeable future. And um, our, our good friend and um, recurring guest, Coach Mayberg, um, he, he thought he knew a lot more about basketball than us, and that rubbed us the wrong way. So we officially started the Mayberg Bubble Bracket Challenge. So essentially, we all picked – um, we all made a bracket for the NBA playoffs and picked the, which teams we thought would advance. And we're going to compete against each other and coach Mayberg to see who really is the expert in the NBA. Um, if only my co-host Zane would bring up the bracket, I'd be able to. got to get the Spumoni call. The Spumoni. 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 Spumoni, Spumoni. But don't, Jake, don't forget about the punishment. That is perhaps the biggest part. Oh, I did forget, but my your butthole won't when you lose it. 
because the challenge is is it's we will the loser will have to do the hot ones challenge which is what is it you have to use the bomb hot sauce on one wing is is that what we're going with well i think cooper cooper had another idea perhaps yeah, to uh, up the ante a little bit here, I'm thinking that for each of us that don't lose this challenge, gets to pick the hot sauce of their choosing. Um, that way, the loser is eating not one, but five wings to really make this a hot ones challenge. What are our thoughts, boys? Ooh, I love that. I like that symmetry with five wings. And then I feel like the variety will make it even worse. <laughs> just the burning heat. It'll be like you're being burned by like Ooh. fire and then like boiling oil and then like chemicals. It's just, I love it. Well, for us, us hot sauce connoisseurs on this show, I know we all are all El Yucateco boys. There's different kind of spice out there. There's the kind of poop your pants spice. There's a burn your mustache off spice. And then there's a make you cry in front of your girlfriend spice. And so I think we can get all of these if we really try hard enough. That's Whoa. Trifecta from hell. <laughs> right there. What if one of us has to go to the hospital after this? It's good uh, content. Are we fronting the hospital bills? Not for interns. <laughs> not for interns. Yeah. They are not covered on our insurance. <laughs> our colleges have to pay for this, right? Incredibly clear. Well, you, you get extra credit. The colleges extra you're credit. getting your credits from. Special guests have a very high deductible, but they are covered. <laughs> All righty. I love it. I love it. That's good shit. All right. So um, oh, and let's not forget that Jake is, is the, uh, let's call him the black sheep of the group in this bracket challenge with the team he picked. Jake, oh, do you want to uh, elaborate? Uh, I would like to elaborate uh, because I thought we made this podcast for hot takes and, you know, interesting sports debates. But I didn't know I was building my bracket against the bracket equivalent of Dole Porch and all of your guys. Because the amount of just, mm, this, let's just pick, pick the higher seed and the, the Lakers will win it all was, frankly, just disappointing. And no one appreciates team chemistry, apparently, or hard-nosed defense. Well, don't, why don't you tell them who you picked, Jake? You're beating I around the bush. <laughs> The Raptors. Oh, man. Let's go you know, from powerhouse New Mexico State. And uh, Fred Van Mm. Fleet, the Zags know how much damage he can do um, against one seeds. And Kyle Lowry, big body. But you know what? It's, It's about the defense, and it's about the team chemistry, which I don't think the Lakers have. I don't think the Clippers have. And I don't know what to make of the Bucks. Bucks just lost to the Magic, so I'm feeling pretty good. Jake, Jake, can you name? If you're talking about team chemistry, can you name six Raptors? I believe I can. Let's see. We got Van Fleet, Lowry, Siakam, Gasol, Boucher. Oh. Uh, is oh. Who? You're so close. Chris Boucher. We'll let it slide. If this was Jeopardy, you'd be wrong. No, they they let you pronounce however you want. <laughs> well, that, that's fine. Come He's on. not getting a six down. You pull Boucher out of your ass? Ibaka, Hollis Jefferson, Stanley Johnson. Whoa. On a newbie. OG Ananobi. 
Norman Powell. Well, that's the important. It's not about the players. It's about the team. Dick, I have a question about your Raptors. Yeah. Last year, there was a guy by the name of Kawhi Leonard who uh, would have the ball down the stretch. Who is the go-to guy here that's going to put the team on his back and win you a series? Please say Kyle Lowry. Please no, say Siakam. Kyle Lowry. Oh. Siakam's the guy, when you need a drive to the rim, it's him. If not, you kick it out to Van Fleet. Oh, you're going with so the Utah State Shocker. Are you kidding me, Jake? No, I, I you know, Alzac's <laughs> know how effective he is. He's been killing it this year, too. We can recognize his effectiveness, but we're not going to count on him. They also have Drake. Keep that in mind. What? You're oh, going not, not in the bubble, they don't. Oh, oh no, good point. Later. No Drake. Yeah, they have no Drake <laughs> around them. <laughs> he might get in there as friends and family later, you know. Yeah, I think he'll that he'll weasel true. his way in there for sure. That is true. That's but... gonna be electric, by the way. Awesome. I really yeah. want to see Drake on the little virtual fan thing, just going absolutely nuts, trying to give people hugs around <laughs> him. He's gonna steal the show, I think, every time the Raptors play down the stretch. All I know is Raptors handled business very well yesterday. Bucks have lost. Lakers are currently losing to an eight seed. And, um, you okay. know, that's uh, – I feel like this is – all this hostility towards my pick is really just a defense <laughs> mechanism by L.A. fans who know their team is a fraud despite just having two of the best players. Well, uh, well let's, go, let's go through the games then. Let's go through them. All right. Um, pull them up. So, we got, so we got Blazers-Lakers. Who – I chose the Blazers because besides being a good oh fan of the Backyard Blazers podcast, I believe in Dame, in Dame time. But um, you guys all went Lakers. Yeah, I mean, my, yeah. My, yeah, take is, my take is quite simple here. I think uh, <laughs> what has happened in the sports world, particularly with the media and the fans, is that we have been deprived of any sort of good – sports story for the past five months and so the first one that happens to come along is that the little old portland blazers from down south of seattle how make a make a phenomenal run in the bubble to make the playoffs and damian lillard goes out of his mind to get them there and that's all fine and dandy and that's a good team it's the most dangerous eight seed by far I think, I think we can all agree on that. Maybe the magic have something to say. I don't know. But what we're forgetting is that the Lakers have LeBron James and Anthony Davis. And there is just no answer that the Blazers can give for that. And all respect to the backyard Blazers. I love those guys. I think if they looked within themselves, honestly, the guard matchup is intriguing. But Anthony Davis and LeBron are just going to rebound every single ball. Uh, JaVale McGee is get, they have no answer for the bigs on the Lakers. The rebounding is going to be slanted the entire series. The, the Blazers defense is atrocious. They had to sneak by the nets to, to get that eight seed. I, I just, I'm not buying into it and I'm not even really a Lakers fan, but it's just, I don't really think it's going to even be that close of a series. The games might be close. I don't think the series total wins will be close. Interesting. Four one, four one Lakers in five. I have I have two quick things on the series. One is a stat, and that is that LeBron James, I believe, is twelve and zero in the first round 
of playoffs in his career. He's got the best player he's ever played with. There's no way he loses in the first round. Number two, our guy, backyard blazer himself, Kyle George, in our conversations, uh, he has said that he just hopes the Blazers can get two. So, Dad. there we go. That's, that's all we need to know. Lakers and six. Wow. So, Dan hates Dwayne Wade, apparently. Okay. Um, Paige, your thoughts on the Lakers. Anthony Davis is better than Dwayne Wade. My, my thoughts on the Lakers? I mean, Jake, I don't know what it is with you and, and giving us these easy competition wins. Uh, picking the Blazers over the Lakers, that's, that's an easy ticket to Hot Wing Central. Guys, I'm just saying we're going to know by the end of round one if I'm either first place. <laughs> yeah, you might. There's another wrench that needs to be thrown into this whole mix. And we might be – it feels like a couple years ago, but a certain documentary came out this summer starring one Michael Jordan. And I don't think that has left LeBron James's head because, I mean, it was basically an immediate reaction to LeBron winning in Cleveland. And now – this documentary's out there. Feels like a long time ago, but that was just a couple months. I guarantee LeBron has a huge chip on his shoulder. This this playoffs. I'm He's not just, losing in the first round to an eight seed. I'm just Hell saying no. Blazers have one of the best offenses in the league. I agree that Anthony Davis and LeBron James will probably like get 65 points a game combined each game. But I think the Blazers can score enough that it won't matter. And who was the the Lakers' third option. Kuz, baby. Danny Green. Oh, Danny Kuz Green. Was so good. Yeah. Who's, who is the Blazers' third option? Who is the oh, Blazers' Gary third Tri- option? No, Nurkic. What are you talking about? Oh, my God. Oh, that my. Is sad. That is sad. Nurkic, Nurkic is going to do what against Anthony Davis? Gore? Yeah. Okay. Very much is. And then Gary Trent Jr. has been playing great. Melo has been playing decent. Like, this is sad. You're talking. We've already talked to you. I can tell. I can tell. We've already talked to you out of this. Not at all. How did you talk yourself into that? It does, and we're only focusing on LA. So let's move it on. Denver, Utah. Who do you guys have? Denver, Utah. I'll take. uh, I'll take Denver on this one. Bull, bull. That's that's enough said. He didn't play. Bull, bull. But his. (laughs) I don't care. Bull, bull. DNP. No injury. Just. Michael Bobo. Love's like, nope, you suck, Bobo. You're not playing. <laughs> well, you know who actually looks good is uh, Porter Jr. He actually looks tough. MPJ can ball. But yeah, Bobo. Bobo. Yeah, or Jamal Murray. <laughs> yeah, I'm, very I'm all aboard Denver here. Um, the Jazz put up a hell of a battle. I should say the Spider put up a hell of a battle. Uh, but, like, uh, he's doing so much by himself. When he's not on, their offense looks so lost. I think that that Denver just has too many – too many answers for them. Too many pieces. That the the Jazz just don't have the horses here, especially with Mike Conley gone for the first couple games. Agreed. I also have Denver just for all. All I think you hit all the reasons, Zane. We actually agree on this series. Um, if Mitchell puts up fifty-seven, you still lose in overtime. You're kind of fucked. Okay, moving on. Uh, Thunder Rockets. I think here I also deviated from the crowd i went with the the thunder in seven i think it'll be a very exciting series uh did you guys all take the the rockets yes i did 
I'm checking my my bracket right now, but I think I think I might have gone the Thunder as well. No, so it looks like uh, Paige went the Thunder. Uh, it looks like Jake went Thunder. Dan went Rockets. Coop went Rockets. Zambi went Rockets, and I went Rockets. And the Rockets mm. are up one nothing without Russell Westbrook. That's true, but the Rockets will always have that one game where they look unstoppable. Because the small ball mm-hmm. works, and everyone shoots like forty-five percent from the three, and then the next game they'll be cold. I don't they know. Man. Look unstoppable. Did they you watch look... that game today? If they go up two, I'll be worried. But yeah, it was tough. they were bricking shots that they normally hit early. Like that could have been an absolute bloodbath. And you don't have the actual facilitator of that whole thing, Russell Westbrook. So once Westbrook gets back, I don't think the Rockets are going to lose a game. You know, I'm I'm human. I admit, maybe I was wrong about Rockets Thunder. I don't think I'm perfect on all these predictions. <laughs> I just know oh, I'm not sucking the Lakers' dick like. Uh, you know. Oh, oh man, we're getting spicy. spicy. Spicy take. We're talking about honoring wow. Kobe Bryant. That's what this is all about. It's all. It's all. Oh, for Jake, Jake. Yeah. response, Jake. It's all about Jake. honoring. What do you have to say right? about that? It's about honoring Kobe Bryant. Oh, well, I mean, that is a good one. I'm not going to say anything bad about that. But it does imply that you don't think it's the talent. That's why you're betting on them. It's just because of Kobe. It's a a combination of the best players. Oh, now it's a combination of the two. Do you honestly think the Portland Blazers are more talented than the Los Angeles Lakers? You can't think that. I think they're hotter right now. And I think they're <laughs> yes. Yeah, the backpedal. I think top to cute. bottom. I think it's like um, SEC versus like Big Ten. Big Ten is a deeper conference. SEC has top guys on top. Who? Which is which in this in this <laughs> comparison? Lakers or the SEC? Oh my god! So you think that the that the Blazers have better top guys than the Lakers? No, the Lakers are the SEC, so the Lakers have better top guys. Does that make sense? So LeBron and yeah. AD are Alabama and LSU, while Kuzma is Arkansas. That's <laughs> that's disrespectful. To, to that's Kuzma. not disrespectful. Dang. I almost said Dang, Jake. Jake, you realize that Dame had a score, I think, what, 61, 51, and 41 to sneak into the playoffs? Yeah, and he's going to – Like, he's not going to do that for seven straight games. <laughs> He'll do it for two, maybe. Yeah, and then the wheels are going to come off, and he's going to drop, like, 20, and they're going to lose by, like, 25. <laughs> I'll tell you what. Jake and Charles Barkley are, are on an island of their own right now fighting this God. Game. Not a good island to be on, Jake. Charles just, Barkley called, he already called has. Kyle Kuzma, yep. Carl Kuzma tonight. Can Jake just do the hot <laughs> challenge, like, on this podcast? You know what? I just, I just take it all. Because at least I'm just not a sheep in the herd like this lot. Oh, thank you. There's a difference between a sheep in a herd and just logic. Next game. Next game. Clippers, Mavs. Clippers, Mavs. Clippers, Mavs. I think we all had Clippers. This is no disrespect to former guest. No no disrespect to former guest Max Graves. It's because he's not in the bubble that I picked the Clippers, really. Right? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, Clippers are my champion. Just wanted to highlight that. I'm not just a Lakers bandwagoner. Gilman. I appreciate that. You, you know, deviated a bit. <laughs> let's, let's go to the East. Let's go to the East. Okay. So yeah, get us out of the West. 
we got we got an interesting one right now because we had Bucks Magic who before this morning, I think over half of us thought it was going to be a sweep, right? Yeah, I think uh, just Cooper correct. and Danby had yeah. the Magic winning. And then uh, – A game or two. Oh, I was like, what? (laughs) And then Vucevic or whatever his name just uh, smacked him around. Fight on, baby. Fight on. on. But I'm wondering if it'll be – if because the Magic, what, beat the Raptors last year in the first game. Raptors would go on to win the whole thing. If the Bucks go on to win the whole thing this year, is it the the Orlando Magic boost now? Does it help your team to lose to the Magic – in the first game, is that a thing? It could. No. That's, no. If it happens twice, I mean, the, the twice in two years to, to think about here. It's something to think about. Uh, here, my take on <laughs> the Magic had to play the game of their lives tonight. Nikola Vucevic, who I had the pleasure to watch his entire tenure at USC, I, I don't know how the hell this guy has transformed into like a borderline NBA all-star. I think he has been an all-star in previous years, but he just, he, he was so soft in college. He turned it on in the NBA (laughs) credit to him, but there is no way I'm not buying in to the magic yet. They had magic one game magic lightning only strikes once. I'm feeling perfect about the bucks. Giannis will turn it around. Not worried at all. Okay, so we, we're all still confident in our Bucks pick. Yep, Bucks boys. I love it. Give uh, me a couple days, and I'll get back to you on that as well. Moving on, we have <laughs> the Toronto Raptors against the Brooklyn Nets. Um, you know, Raptors has kind of handled business very easily in the first half and coasted to a win. Really looked like a championship team. Uh, thoughts? I mean, we all picked them to win this round. We're not dumb enough to, to pick them to actually lose this round. Who picked a sweep? Um, it did, I, right? I picked a sweep. Yeah, yeah I, I picked a sweep as well. Yeah, because while Karis LeVert, I thought, is one of the most Im- impressive players in the bracket who I hadn't heard of. And maybe that's just a, a detriment to my basketball knowledge, but – it is. Uh, he that guy. <laughs> he went to Michigan. Oh, okay. Well, I don't like Miss Michigan. Go Irish. Well, I, th- I do think Levert definitely like overperformed in this game. I, it's it's tough to watch the Nets out there. I think it's such a win that they even made it this far. You don't right. like watching Romalalu Luwabu Kabarot or whatever the fuck that guy's name is. No, I don't like watching anything about the Nets at all. I like Jared Allen's Afro. I will say that. I, think I like Rodion's Karooks. What are these names, man? <laughs> I can't. I add one thing. These are, these are the same Nets that almost beat Jake's Blazers. So, <laughs> without, without Kevin Durant and Kyrie, yikes. LeVert had a big game. Uh, uh, okay, my, oh, question, my question is for those. Blazers up by six right now. Sorry, sorry, I got distracted. My question is for those who oh, a big six point lead, a two possession game. Oh boy, Lakers really on the ropes here. Anyways, well, for Lakers those who picked the Raptors to game. not sweep the Nets, what was your reasoning? I know intern Zambi had the Nets actually winning two games in this series. Zamblin, what was your thought process there? Well, uh, honestly, my thought process um, before before or after the loco. 
<laughs> this is before. Uh, I'm also not done yet. It's just us. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, I lost 50 bucks. I bet on the Bucks and Nets game. I'm like, oh, a seven-point favorite. Like, that's totally doable for the Bucks. And so, <clears throat> uh, with with my pain comes opportunity, I believe. And so, we'll see what happens in these next uh, few games here. I thought the Nets would get the first one. Now I think it's going to be a sweep. Well, you can't get swept if you already won a game. No, the Nets are going to get swept now. But it's still not a sweep. The what? Nets didn't win. They lost. The Nets didn't win. <laughs> the Loco, <laughs> baby. Oh. All, right, all right, moving on. We are spending too much time talking about the Nets. <laughs> um, uh, Boston still lost more money. <laughs> First, uh, the Philadelphia Sixers. I think we all had the Celtics, especially with Ben Simmons out. Um I, I, I think I gave the Sixers – I thought they'd win one game because I, I think Embiid will just have, like, a 40-point game, like, in, like, game two or game three to win it. Um, what do you guys have for this series? I, I think I can wrap this series up for us real quickly here. I played with these this team in 2K about 20 times. I know they can't shoot. I know they have pretty good defense. I know that once they go down in the game – you have no one to go to. Uh, Embiid kind of sucks in 2K. Not a great 2K player. Pretty good, pretty good real-life player. Uh, but but uh, just no options. There's just no other options. Um, Easy-peasy Celtics. They have way too many options. That's a good team. That's true. I mean, they had 13 turnovers in the first half, and I thought you were controlling them. The, I, the I thought I was, too. I looked down to make sure that the remote wasn't in my hands, and – like, who's holding out R2? You can't do that with them. Come on. <laughs> but, yeah, I think – I mean, that's an easy pick game, uh, series for us, I think. Now, Dan, you had the Celtics winning the Eastern Conference, I believe. But... No, 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 no. I have the Celtics in the Eastern Conference Finals. Somebody has the Celtics in the Finals. And, but it, Justin, is it you? No. I think no. it's me. Zambi might. Well, uh, both of your – No. In the Finals? In the actual Finals. No, no one has that. Uh, you're right. No one has that. Disregard. <laughs> next, Disregard. next series. Anyway, uh, I might be the only one that had them. Yeah, but and this the, was we made the brackets before Gordon Hayward sprained his ankle. I believe he's out for four yeah. weeks. Are you concerned? Well, okay. Z- Zambia and I both have them in the Eastern Conference Finals, knocking off Jake's Raptors. Uh, yes, Gordon Hayward out is a little concerning. However. If you're going to get Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum to both basically put up 30, and then you got Kemba, and you got Marcus Smart, the harasser off the bench, I think the Celtics have a chance. I think Brad Stevens is a great coach. I think the Celtics – I thought this was going to be their time. Gordon Hayward out is a little worrisome. I, I'm personally shocked that Jake isn't higher on the Celtics because that appears to be more of a team that you would root for than the Raptors. Because that is one gritty-ass team. I, I, I think about that, why I don't like the Celtics a lot, actually. Because, yeah, it's gritty team. Like, there's no, like, there's a lot of really good players. Like, Jason Tatum is a border. Like, he's probably going to be a superstar soon. But he's, like, kind of right before. But I think it's just because I, I can't support teams that have this, like, 
historic championships, you know, like Lakers, Celtics, Patriots, like this, I don't know. The only tradition I can do is Notre Dame locked in. That's mm. too oh, yeah, much dude. to handle already for anyone. I haven't had anything since I've been alive. Cheers. Well, they didn't want you to see anything. You don't deserve to see that. <laughs> oh, ba, 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 ba. Uh, Paige, your thoughts on Celtic Sixers? Um, I mean, nothing that hasn't already been said. Uh, Celtics look good, but I don't think they are a true threat without Hayward uh, in the East. Okay, and wrapping up our last seeding game, we have um, Pacers Heat, which was, I thought, one of the more difficult ones to pick just because for the Pacers, you didn't really know it was going to be healthy. Oladipo's been fighting injury. Sabonis has obviously been out and will probably miss the playoffs. TJ Warren has been playing really well, but now he has plantar fasciitis and is kind of questionable day to day. Heat won this one. I had the Heat winning, and I think six. Uh, what What's your guys' take? I mean, this is my team right here. This is Zane's Heat. Uh, I've stuck with them as, like basically two games into the bubble, I think. Uh, best uniforms in the league when they put on those Miami Vices. Uh, the Pacers, they just don't have the horses here. Uh, Oladipo got the eye poke today. I don't know if you guys saw that but he looks like Daniel Cormier did this past weekend in, in his UFC fight with just a lazy eye. I don't know. I don't know what's going to come of that. I, I didn't, I didn't see anything major. So God forbid that there is anything serious there. I just think that the heat have way too much going for them. I think, you know, Jimmy Butler, absolute superstar. I'm huge on Adebayo. Oh my God. That guy is like, I'm really, I'm turning a really big fan of him since watching the heat. Um, so this is a team that I think could, I, I think they're going to, they're, they're going to get past the Pacers easy peasy. If the Bucks continue to struggle, I think the heat will make things very difficult on them. I don't know that they'll beat them, but I could see that turning in to a seven game series where the Bucks are really pushed. Uh, and that would scare me when the Bucks have to face the Raptors after that series. And so that's where I'll give Jake's Raptors maybe a little, a little, a little nod, but um, that's it. Just a nod, nothing more. I'll take it at this point. Just to not have the whole committee <laughs> stab me in the back. Actually, not even in the back. Right in the face. <laughs> yeah, right in the face. I like I like the Heat a lot in this series. Um, yep, I'm all aboard the Bam Adebayo train. He was my uh, nice little sleeper pick in my fantasy basketball league before uh, coronavirus. Great pickup, and yeah. I'm, I'm excited to see them ride. Well, perfect. Um, I think we'll save the future rounds for uh, when they come, as, as a wise man says, time will tell who will be a fool and who will be sitting on top of his raptor throne laughing at his friends eating hot oh. <laughs> it, it will be fun. Let me, let me go through Mayberg's pick, though, really quick. For the, uh, for the beat the coach challenge here. Uh, so Mayberg has the Lakers dominating the Blazers, uh, winning that series in five. Uh, he has OKC beating the Rockets, surprising, in a tight one uh, going seven games. Uh, again, like us, Denver over the Jazz. Uh, Clippers easily handing, handling the uh, Mavs. Uh, Bucks sweeping 
Orlando. So the coach got that one wrong. Already wrong. Not good. Not yep. good. Yeah. Yeah. Heat uh, dismantling the Pacers in five. Uh, similar with the Celtics in five against the Sixers. And lastly, Raptors sweeping the Nets. Uh, so those are the coaches' picks. He is also in this challenge as well. So uh, it, it is possible that Mayberg will be uh, doing this hot ones as well, but not not if Jake is in this competition. I think Jake is leaving <laughs> the clubhouse right now. You know, I, I if you if you make hot takes, you risk uh, eating hot wings. As um, I think that was what Lincoln said. But um, you know, at least at least I can be comfortable with knowing I have balls. So whatever happens, that's the uh, you know um, consoling balls, not brains. Who said I needed one? <laughs> All right. Sheesh. All right. To the closing announcements. Closing announcements. We tease this segment. I think a few weeks ago, uh, we were introducing the Teach It to Jake segment um, where we talk about baseball. For those of you who don't know, our, our precious Jake, Jakey Jakey Parm Parm, uh, is not the most familiar with the sport of baseball. Um, that would be an understatement. He, he, he's not super familiar at all. Um, so Zane and I, the, uh, I guess, deemed baseball experts, um, are going to teach Jake about a little thing we call baseball juju. Zane, do you want to start us off? Yes. So I think it was last week, Jake decided to get a little bit involved in baseball trash talking. I think this was his first time dabbling into this field. He decided to um, stick by his woman and jump onto the San Francisco Giants bandwagon. Uh, I, I guess that's a thing now. Um, you know, to take that for uh, what you know. too late. Yes, exactly. That's that's a story in its own. But regardless, the Giants were playing the Dodgers, and I believe they were up by a run or two. And so Jake texts me saying, "Ha ha ha! Are the Giants really? Are the Dodgers really gonna lose to the Giants? Knowing that the Giants suck. Lo and behold, less than ten minutes later, the Dodgers absolutely." destroy and dismantle the Giants hit a couple of dingers and I think they end up winning by four or five runs uh so that is what leads us to baseball juju Jake baseball juju is basically the idea that baseball is probably the most superstitious sports sport I I think there is out there I mean you have batters like Nomar Garcia Parra who developed a routine at the plate, changing the gloves a million times just to make sure he's in the right headspace. You have pitchers who refuse to talk to anyone in the dugout when they have a perfect game going. And so baseball juju essentially is just that when things are going your way, you don't want to jump the gun and talk too soon. And so this, this is, this is something very easy, basic. I think in a lot of sports, we talk trash uh, while the game's going on. You know, oh, uh, LeBron just dunked on uh, CJ McCollum. Oh, that was awesome. But in baseball, you got to be very, very careful. You got to be very, very careful. Hey, that's good. Mm-hmm. Hands up. I, I do think uh, I, I did not know that. And I, I learned that lesson. 
I would also like, in defense of myself, to say I am not on the Giants bandwagon. I was on the make fun of Zane and Dan bandwagon, which I think many people get on that bandwagon. I know Cooper <laughs> likes that bandwagon. And I know our good friend Kevin Ortiz likes that bandwagon. Uh, but, no, it is good. And I'll write that down in the notebook. Base, yeah. juju. I'll give, I'll give another example. Last, I believe it was Wednesday. No, must have been Thursday. Uh, the Padres were playing the Dodgers. And, uh, and I, swear, I swear by this, I typed this text out before this incident happened, but I recall the Dodgers starting pitcher Julio Urias being a little nastier than, than what he was displaying. And maybe it's, maybe it's, it was an injury or something. You know, I thought he was sip, sitting upper 90s, but he was sitting low 90s. And I was like, oh, didn't he used to be a little nastier? Anywho, right as I was typing this out, uh, I believe either – I can't remember who exactly. I think Tommy Pham. Tommy Pham and Eric Hosmer hit a home run off of – uh, Julio, and I still was like, ah, I'll still send the text. Sent it, and um, after that, the Padres got their asses absolutely handed to them, and our ace looked terrible. So that's baseball juju for you. Yeah, now you jinxed it, so Tatis is gonna leave. So probably no, gotta- no, it's it's more no. like in the game. It's it's during these things while they're happening, Jake. Okay, it lives mm-hmm. in a bubble. I think Zamblin, Zamblin, you have something to add to the baseball juju conversation. All right, Gilman, I have a true and false question for you here. When you're running onto the field, do you step on the line? I never played baseball, so. You played softball? Then probably. Oh, good point. You've seen my fielding. I don't think I had the luck going for me. <laughs> Oh, right field. <laughs> that is a good one. That is a good one. Zamblin brings up another good superstitious uh, thing that baseball players do. When you trot onto the field to take the field, the foul lines are right there, usually right in front of your dugout. I don't know a single player who steps on that foul line. You will see players mm-hmm. on TV, uh, especially pitchers, jumping over that foul line to make sure they don't step on it. And there's absolutely no explanation for it other than baseball juju okay good to know I'll write that down avoid foul lines <laughs> good good he's a good student good student i take notes <laughs> <laughs> um okay well i think we have a one last very exciting final announcement i'll let i'll let jake announce this one i feel like it's a little sweet for us for jake to announce this one this is good for Jake. This is good for me? Well, okay, so I would like to announce the official winner of the the 2K 30 for 30 uh, talent show competition. So, reminder, this winner will get to golf a round of 18 holes with um, host Jake and special guest Zane as our caddy. And the winner is, it, it was a close one, but it is Mr. Mitch Penny and his video of wonderful golf trick shots. So golf clap, golf clap, golf clap there. So golf clap, Jake. Zane, or excuse me, Penny, I want you to bring your heaviest bag, your heaviest clubs, uh, maybe some iron bars, 
Um, you know, I think tungsten <laughs> is the densest thing we have. If you have anything like that, just put it in. Zane's scrappy and can carry it all. Yes, yes. Very, very excited for this. Finally, this whole 2K 30 for 30 that started, I think, our second or third week of this show and has somehow <laughs> drug out all the way into our 19th or 20th at this point. It'll be great to get this past me. Um, I can't, can't, can't wait for it. I think we still have to set a date. Uh, Mitchell Penny, we will be in touch. But uh, very exciting news there. Yes, we're sending our representative up to Bellingham to discuss terms. So. <laughs> Congrats, Penny. Um, with that being said, I think this show is about to uh, conclude. I wanted to give a quick shout-out to the Smith family. Uh, shout out to Chris Smith. He is a he is the equipment manager of the Los Angeles Chargers. Getting a lot of face time on the uh, on the HBO series Hard Knocks. Shout out to the Smith family. Uh, any last comments from you guys? Uh, I was already excited for the NBA playoffs, but now I'm even more excited because it feels like I'm playing against all of you guys. And I think that's what I want. I'll say I would like to thank Brandon Bailey one more time for coming on the pod. It was an honor to have you. Uh, hopefully we can get you on soon uh, and uh, give you a couple more strikeouts after the next one. Hey, awesome. Well, uh, this is Sam signing off. All I have to say is go Knights go. Yeah, that was a uh, great get for us boys this week. I think uh, the future is very bright when it comes to the Yeah, another song. All I, all I can say is that I'm super excited for when uh, Jake's tears roll down his face after he crushed his five wins. Oh, man. I can't wait. Alrighty. Ta-ta for now. Cheers, boys. Toodaloo. At peace.